You know, one of the great difficulties of home ownership is lawn maintenance. Anybody testify to that today? At least in my home. I know many of you have the mystical green thumb. I don't have that. I've never had it. Even at our house now, we're struggling to establish a yard because we had to cut back a lot of trees. We have to figure out where the sun hits. And of course, there's always the issue of weeds. Weeds. The Bible says, I think, that weeds will always be with you, right? So we have to deal with this evidence of the brokenness and fallenness of this world. And one of the weeds in particular that have been kind of a bane of my existence over the years is crabgrass. Crabgrass. You know, crabgrass looks like grass, but it's not grass. Actually, it will kill your grass. And as long as I've had a yard, I've had to deal with crabgrass. I spent a lot of time in my backyards and all the homes that we've lived trying to grab the crabgrass by the head and pull it out by hand, thinking there was no way to actually get rid of it. It's just expected. But there was one year in particular in Dallas that I thought it would be different because I got so mad at the crabgrass, we called a professional. And I said, hey, I need some help. I need to, I need to get this weed out of my life because I'm, I'm out here watching my kids play in the backyard. I'm pushing them on the swing. I'll push my kid. I'll see crabgrass. I'll turn away from my kid, ignoring my kid, and go pull up the crabgrass. I'm failing as a father. Can you help me? Get rid of this weed that keeps catching my eye. And so this professional came out and he said, yeah, I can spray. I have a particular spray that will get rid of the weed and that will strengthen the grass. And so I was looking forward to a spring where I would be able just to enjoy my grass, our yard, and our family. But lo and behold, even after this expert came, even after he sprayed, guess what showed up? Crabgrass. Crabgrass. Yes. And I called and I said, listen, I'm disappointed. I thought things would be different this year. We called an expert. You came, you showed up, you made these promises, but everything looks exactly the same. Now, Jared, why are we talking about these weeds? Well, it has a point. Because in our text today, Jesus, Jesus uses the imagery of weeds, of all things, to teach us and answer for us a very common question, a question that was being asked of the disciples then, I'm sure is being asked by many of us who are disciples of Jesus today. Here's essentially what they were asking. Jesus, when you came, I thought things would be different. I thought all the bad stuff in the world, all these weeds would go away once you arrived. I thought our enemies would be destroyed. I thought the church or your people would stop being resisted, but you're here and I still see people coming against us. I still see the enemy working. What is going on? Have you ever asked a similar question in your life? Maybe you thought that when Jesus came into your life, everything would be better, everything would be different, but there are still weeds there's still an enemy coming, trying to overrun your life. Even though the church is growing all around the world, we see the enemy opposing it and coming against her. Why would God let this happen? Why is evil still allowed to grow and so often look like it's succeeding? Why do weeds exist alongside the kingdom of God? If you've asked this question 
like many of us have, you are in luck today because through the parables we will look at this morning in Matthew 13, Jesus gives us an answer. So let's see together this morning how Jesus answers the question of why there are weeds in the kingdom, at least in the present day manifestation of the kingdom. Let's look at how he answers these questions in verses 24 to 43. We're gonna begin by reading verses 24 to 30 and then jump down to verse 36. We'll come back to the middle section in just a moment. Here's what the word of God says. He put another parable before them. And remember, this is following the parable of the sower that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. While his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? If so, then how does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go out immediately and gather them up? And he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Let's jump down now to verse 36. Then he left the crowds and he went into the house. And that's a a transition in Matthew's gospel. He left the crowds. He goes and speaks directly to his disciples. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. So think about this. We're talking about the end times here. And the reapers are angels. And just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom, his kingdom, all causes of sin, all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. The kingdom of heaven is like... As we've stepped into this new discourse in Matthew's gospel, this extended period of teaching of Jesus, we will hear this phrase repeated often. The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to. That that statement is is pretty much associated with all of Jesus' parables. And it tells us a lot about what Jesus is trying to accomplish as he teaches through parables and about our need for this teaching. You see, Jesus has come to establish a surprising kingdom, a kingdom that's very different than we expected, but certainly far greater than we expected. And through the parables, Jesus uses the imagery of this world to teach us about the nature or the realities of his kingdom. The Bible told us This is how Jesus would teach. And Matthew says this in verses 34 through 35. 
where he quotes a prophet in Psalm 78. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet in Psalm 78, verse two. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundations of the world. Through these parables, what was hidden for those who have the right ears and those who have the right eyes, what was hidden will become revealed. And the disciples need this. They need this teaching because a misunderstanding persists. They are asking questions reflected in the parable, like the question asked in verse 27, as the servants of the master of the house come and said, Master, what happened? Didn't you sow good seed? Aren't you building the right kind of crop? If so, what happened? Because you're sowing seed, and yet there are all kinds of of weeds. You see, the disciples assumed the kingdom of God would grow, but they thought it would grow in a particular way, visibly, noticeably, and without resistance. And so to help clarify, correct their understanding of the kingdom, Jesus begins to reshape their expectations through his teaching. And to this first parable, he adds two more that we see in verses 31 to 33. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed it in his field. Now this mustard seed is small. It had become thought of generally as kind of a, a saying at this time that it was the smallest of all the seeds. But when it's larger, when it grows, what was small becomes larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a, a woman took and hid in three measures of flour. That's a whole lot of flour. And even though that, that small leaven begins small, it moves and it spreads throughout even the, the largest amount of flour and notice. So the kingdom of God, Jesus says to his disciples, is growing. It is growing. It's just growing in a different way than you would expect. It's not free of resistance at least not yet, and it begins in unseen ways, but you will see it. You will notice it. You will hear about it if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. So here's our prayer for this morning as we consider what Jesus is teaching us in this parable, that God, as Pastor Patrick challenged us a couple of weeks ago, that God would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what Jesus is saying about his kingdom so that we can be sure that we rest in the truth of the kingdom, not in the false reality of our own expectations. So with that prayer in mind, God, would you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, everything that you want for us to know about your kingdom. Let's explore some realities of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that Jesus is teaching us today so that we can rest in encouragement and hope in the right way. Here's the first reality about the, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that Jesus wants to be, us to be aware of as his disciples through his teaching. Number one, God's kingdom will grow. God's kingdom will grow. It is growing and it will grow. There's no question about this. Jesus has come. And as 
our king, he has brought a kingdom that is here and will be, already and not yet. It is present and growing. He has planted the seeds and the harvest is coming and you better bet that Jesus is a good sower of seeds. There's an assumption here that when Jesus returns, there will be a harvest because his kingdom, his people will last. Listen, there may be times when we scope out the whole of the world and we look at history, there may be times where it looks like nothing is happening with regards to the kingdom of God. There may be times when it looks like the kingdom is losing ground, but friends, make no mistake about it. Jesus's kingdom is growing and moving forward and will until the day he returns and that kingdom is fully revealed in all of its glory without any resistance remaining. One day, What began small will turn out to be an enormous tree. One we will be able to live in, build our nest, and sing praises to God forever. One day the leaven of the gospel that that God has given to us in Christ will be infused into the entirety of the world such that the kingdom of God will rise and will not be mistaken. And haven't we already seen this? Haven't we seen from this moment God's kingdom through the church, through his people, expand? Think about how this kingdom has grown over the last 2,000 years. The foretastes of what we see on the page here in Matthew 13 becoming reality. Think about the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 souls were saved. To this point, we had seen glimpses of transformation as as a few were converted here and there, household by household, but something new happened when the Holy Spirit of God came. Directly after that, we see day by day people being added to the number of the church in Acts 2, 47. The, The book of Acts as a whole shows us how the gospel moves beyond the Jewish people to the Gentile people, allowing the the great commission to go into all nations to actually begin. The leaven of the kingdom of God is spreading. And beyond the book of Acts, it moved throughout human history, throughout the known world, through the Middle East, through Europe, through North Africa, down to Ethiopia. It moved through the world as it was explored to North America and South America. And even now it's exploding in Asia and Africa. Once again, the whole world is being touched with the gospel. The whole world is showing signs of the kingdom's continued growth. Praise be to God. Even here in North Raleigh, friends, we see the kingdom of God rising. We see the kingdom of God growing. 142 years ago, in 1880, a church was planted right here on this property. And wouldn't you know that 142 years later, we are still here by God's grace, reaching a new generation with the gospel, seeing a growing area with gospel need, a church flourishing for the sake of God's glory and not just this area, a people concerned with the nations. There was nothing here until there was something. And the ministry continues because the kingdom is being built. It is, it will be. God's kingdom will grow. That's the first reality. Second, 
The second thing Jesus is teaching us about his kingdom, God's kingdom will grow and it will grow through his people, his people. I want you to look at something and the explanation of this parable in verses 37 to 38. As Jesus gives answer to the the question of the disciples to explain. The one who sows the good seed is, is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed, listen to this, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. The kingdom grows as the sons of the kingdom are revealed all over the world. As, as gospel seed takes root in the good soil of hearts and the people God has for himself come to saving faith. This is an important distinction, an important point for us, because sometimes we think about the Great Commission, we think about the gospel advancing in kind of disembodied terms. Like, we know the gospel is going to spread, but how does it spread? It spreads through and by the work of the Spirit upon people, through the work of his church. Listen, the ministry of Jesus was embodied. The ministry of the gospel also is embodied. It's a stunning teaching from Jesus. And think about what this means for the global mission of the church. Jesus has planted people all around the world to push his kingdom forward. There are people who are strategically positioned by God's sovereign care to shine forth gospel light. Think about how this Discussion, this teaching of the, the parable of the weeds relates to the parable of the sower, again, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. We scatter, our responsibility as the people of God is to scatter gospel seed and pray for good soil hearts. We recognize the need and the, the divine plan for the gospel to go forward through proclamation where we go around the world, we go to all those who will hear declaring what God has done for us in Jesus, that we were broken, we were lost, we were separated from a holy and righteous God, had no hope of getting back to him apart from the grace and mercy of God that was evidenced to us in Jesus who came, left the glory of heaven, lived a perfect sinless life, died the death that we deserve, taking upon the wrath of God that was due us to give us in his resurrection access to eternity eternal and abundant life. That's what we declare. And we go throughout the nations declaring that glorious message. And as we declare, we pray for good soiled hearts to hear it, receive it, and express that receptivity by the power of the Spirit and repentance and belief. And here's what Jesus is promising us, that among the nations, there are good soiled hearts planted there to receive that work and usher in kingdom ministry for God's glory. You can trust that God is planning and preparing and situating people strategically all around the world to see his kingdom grow one person at a time. That's how this church began. Somewhere along the way before 1880, someone was declaring the gospel. Someone was faithfully declaring the, the good news of Jesus and someone responded to it under the power of the Spirit. And then those people who were saved graciously by Jesus moved into this area, said we need a church and began to strategically build a witness for Jesus in this area. That's how every single church begins and that's how the kingdom of God grows. 
The global church exists because of God's sovereign direction through the Son. May we continue that work as the people of God because God's kingdom grows and it goes through his people under the power of the Spirit faithfully declaring the gospel. There's also a third reality. Even though God's kingdom will grow and it grows through his people, God's kingdom is presently resisted. Now we go back to the weeds. I haven't forgotten about them. God's kingdom is growing in surprising ways, but at least for now, there's also something else growing. You see, an enemy has planted bad seeds that have captured hardened hearts. And so alongside the sons of God, there are sons of the evil ones sprouting up beside them, verses 38 and 39. The question is why? Why would God allow this? Why wouldn't God just remove this? Do we trust that God knows and sees more than we do? And don't we want his expert care intending to this garden? Because listen, if we had our way, here's what we would do. Listen to what they ask. They said, hey, uh, master, now that the enemy's done this, do you want us to go and gather up this, these weeds? No, don't do that unless you take up some of the wheat along with them. If you don't have the expert care to deal with this crop the way that I do, so why don't you trust it to me? There's, there's more to see than we can see. And we need to trust God to, to gather his harvest in the right way at the right time. There may be something that we're missing. It reminds me of a passage that we've referenced before in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, where Peter is answering a similar question. People are asking of him, Peter, why the weeds? Why is there still evil? Why are there still people coming against the church, killing us, hurting us? Why doesn't God just wipe them out, get rid of them? And here's how Peter answers this question. In verses 8 and 9, 2 Peter 3, do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Listen, not wishing that any should perish, but that, should, that some, that all should reach repentance. That all should reach repentance. Peter says God is displaying patience, and you should be grateful for that patience and allowing the weeds so that as many people as possible can hear the gospel message and respond. Don't you know? In the history of the church, there are people who started off looking like weeds who through the act of God's grace turned out to be wheat. Think about the Apostle Paul. At the beginning, he was opposed. He worked against the church, arresting people, overseeing their murder. And yet God and his grace transformed his life on a road to Damascus, allowed the scales from his eyes to fall off and see King Jesus in his glory. And aren't you grateful that he did that? If it was up to us, we may have pulled that too soon and missed out on the blessing. Let's trust God in his perfect timing with his perfect reapers to come and do what only he can do. It's not that God doesn't care about injustice. 
It's not that God doesn't care about evil. It's not that God doesn't care about the suffering of his people. He will deal with all sin and all lawbreakers. He is just moving forth a redemptive plan that is beautiful and greater than we could imagine to allow all people the opportunity to as many people as possible to respond to this gospel message and find salvation. And this leads us to kingdom reality number four. God's God's kingdom's growing, it will grow. It grows through people, it's presently resisted, but friends, even in the face of that resistance, let us remember that God's kingdom wins. The patience of God will not last forever. God will fulfill his promise of justice and he will separate the wheat and the weeds. Verses 41 and 42. The son of man will send his angels. They will gather out out of the kingdom all causes of sin, all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. He will purify this kingdom as it is revealed to be the eternal kingdom that God promised. The wheat will be gathered into the kingdom and the weeds will be thrown into the fiery furnace. A harvest is coming. What you long for will happen, but there is gospel work to do between now and then. So what has Jesus taught us about his kingdom What do we need to believe and rest in about this kingdom? The kingdom of heaven is a surprising kingdom. It grows in surprising and unseen ways, even in the midst of resistance. And I would also say, typically in the history of the world, it has grown fastest and strongest in the harshest of resistance. And it will grow until the day when it has rightfully overcome the entire world, when Jesus returns and sits on his throne forever. Here's the question for us, friends. Do we have ears to hear and eyes to see what God is teaching us in these parables? As was promised in verses 34 and 35, these parables are given to us to give clarity to the kingdom of God. Will we believe them? And will we respond? Let me just offer four opportunities for response this morning to the preached word of God for us to consider. Firstly, Think about your place before God. Are you part of the wheat or are you part of the weeds? The teaching here that Jesus is giving to his disciples is meant to be an encouragement to them about the reality of his kingdom and the future of his kingdom. But there's also a warning to us, to the world. There are only two types of people in the world. There's only two camps you can be in, wheat are weeds. Sons of the kingdom are sons of the devil. That's it. Which one are you? Are you advancing the kingdom or are you opposing the kingdom? Are you part of that harvest that's coming in a good way? Will you be gathered in the kingdom of God or will you be thrown into the fiery furnace? The only way you can be transitioned from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son is to repent and believe in Jesus. The only way that you can be a part of this kingdom is for your good soiled heart to hear and receive by the power of the spirit gospel seed and repent and believe unto Jesus for salvation. Have you done that? Has there ever been a time in your life where a faithful person came by scattering gospel seed 
and you responded through repentance and belief. If not, may today be the day. I have some pastors and ministers here in the front. We'd love to speak with you more. May today be the day when you give your life to Christ and take advantage of that work that God has given us in Jesus. And remember, friends, if you're not in the kingdom, the future that awaits you is treacherous. Jesus says, when this reaping happens, those who are weeds will be gathered out of the kingdom because you don't belong there and you'll be thrown to the fiery furnace and there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, and that language there is reminiscent of a story in the book of Daniel about three Hebrew boys, friends of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who would not bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's image that he created and, and demanded that all the kingdoms be united under worship of that idol. They wouldn't do it. As a result of that, Nebuchadnezzar's anger burned so brightly that he demanded the hottest fire perhaps ever in history to be built. It was so hot that the, the strong men who brought these Hebrew boys to throw them in were consumed by the fire. But the Hebrew boys didn't burn. You want to know why? Because God was with them. But here's what Jesus is saying. The fiery furnace that's coming is hotter than that furnace, and you will not stand because I will not be with you. You will be consumed by the fiery furnace for all of eternity unless you repent and believe. Oh, would you take advantage? Would you hear the grace and mercy of God declaring to you today there is a way for me not just to be with you in the fire, but take you out of the fire and into the kingdom of the beloved son? Think about your place before God. Secondly, for those of us who are in the kingdom, let us rest in the certainty of the kingdom. God's kingdom is growing and will grow. And hear me today. I want us to believe this. Nothing can stop it. There is no threat to the gospel. There's opposition, but there's no threat as if it's not gonna succeed. There's no threat against the kingdom or the church as if it will not last. Sometimes though I think that our language reflects otherwise. Maybe in a moment, maybe longer. And we'll say things like this. Oh, if that, if that person gets into the church or if that person has any say in the church, it won't last. If that, if that ideology creeps its way into the church, we're in trouble. If that government takes over, there's no way we'll be able to succeed. That's hogwash. It's not true. It's not true. Yes, there may be opposition. Yes, there may be times where it's more difficult for us to remain faithful. But here's the promise of Jesus in Matthew 16, 18. God will build his church and his kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Do we believe that? Let's live in that reality. Thirdly, let us remember the temporary nature of the weeds. God's kingdom is eternal, but the opposition against it, against us, is temporary. My long guy came back out to our house in Dallas, and he said, here's the problem, Jerry. Your, your soil is too hard. We had a lot of rock. He said, I need to aerate it, 
I need to put holes in the ground, put water in it to get it soft so that the poison can reach the root. It just ran off. It couldn't get to the root. And so he came out and he did that. And do you know what started happening? The crabgrass started turning yellow. And I began to think, there may be a day when my yard will not have crabgrass. And then, of course, we sold it and moved to North Carolina. (laughs) I began to see the promise of a reality that was already in motion. Hear me. There are weeds all around us, but friends, that root has been touched. That opposition, it will be dealt with. It has been dealt with through the work of Jesus. The work has been done. You just remain steadfast. And finally, let us aid in the advancement of the gospel. Remember, the kingdom of God moves through people. It's built one soul at a time. Who knows whom God has planted around us? Who knows what good soiled hearts are in your neighborhood, in your family, at your work? And God wants to use you, he's positioned you there, to, to sow gospel seed, to hit that good soiled heart at the right time in the power of the Spirit to lead them in repentance. Who knows what churches we need to partner with around the world in hard to reach places where God is priming the pump for a revival or for the gospel to be declared maybe for the first time through our work to sow gospel seed. Let us aid in the advancement of the gospel because that's what we've been called to do. That's the great commission that God has given to us to see the truth of what God has done for us in Jesus declared to the nations and to see the nations respond in giving worship to our glorious God. And may we do that until the day he returns and may he find us faithful. Wherever you are, would you bow your heads? Spend some time asking the Lord to help you know how to respond this morning to the truth of God's word, to the truth of these parables. Do you know him? Are you in the wheat or the weeds? Oh, we want you to be a part of the wheat. The only way you can do that is by responding to the gospel declaration of what Jesus has done for us. If you've never given your life to Christ, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead to be saved, let today be the day of your salvation. We'll have some ministers and pastors at the front. We'd love to speak with you more. Help encourage you in that direction. Come talk to us. Receive the warning, but dwell on the gift. For those of us who are in Christ, would we rest in the certainty of this kingdom, that this kingdom wins. Jesus has secured our victory. And even though there's opposition now, we know what happens in the end. Let's place our hope there. Let's rest in that. And even when it looks like things are bleak, God is the one in control. 
Let's trust him and let's be faithful to sow gospel seed for his glory. Father, help us to be a more faithful people because of our time before your word today. Help us to know how to respond in a way that glorifies you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads. Thank you for worshiping with us. For more information about Bayleaf Baptist Church, visit our website, bayleaf.org.